0: This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the It's All About Experience Management podcast, where guests from around the world share with you strategies and easy-to-implement ideas for improving the experience and transforming your business. Your host, Jason S. Bradshaw, has spent decades helping leaders like you and organizations across the world improve the experience and grow their businesses. Now, over to Jason and this
0: week's guest. Hey, everyone. Welcome to It's All About Experience Management. I'm your host, Jason S. Bradshaw, and it's so great to have you listening with us today. Joining me on this episode is James Dodkins, an actual, real-life, legitimate, award-winning rock star. He played guitar in a heavy metal band, released albums, and tore up stages all over the world. James is now the CX Evangelist at Pega Systems, where he researches the mindsets, principles, and philosophies of companies that deliver rock star customer experience. He shares those strategies through transformative training, engaging video content, and inspiring keynote talks james was awarded the uk's number one cx influencer by customer experience magazine in 2020 the uk's most outstanding cx keynote speaker by corporate vision magazine in 2021 and the world's number 10 customer service guru by global gurus in 2021 as well as countless other notable mentions in industry publications like business insider the times and forbes james is also a two-time number one best-selling author and the ex-host of Amazon's Prime's weekly topical CX show, The Week in CX. James, what a wrap. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you very
1: much. What a brilliant introduction. I couldn't have written it better myself.
0: (laughs) Well, I think you did write it, actually. (laughs) Certainly an impressive background, uh, to say the least. I know that some of the listeners will be wondering, though, What does a rock star know about customer experience?
1: It's a a good question. For me, the the music industry is customer experience and it took me a while to realize that, which is quite embarrassing. I probably should have figured it out sooner. So I was doing customer experience long before I even actually knew it existed. Gotta think about it, That the whole point of a musician is to create an experience for their fans, not just on stage, but off stage as well, through their music, through the interviews they do, through every single interaction. The the band or the artist is a brand. It is an exact parallel between the two. So it, it occurred to me not too long back that, we could look at business through the lens of music and see what it is that music artists do to create, you know, loyal fandoms and then say, well, what is what are the things we could do in business? Try and get a little bit of that obsession for ourselves.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I have to admit, I once won an award where the trophy was an electric guitar. Now uh, I do not annoy my neighbors because I, I do not have a clue on how to play it. So I'm going to leave the rock star uh, skills to yourself. But uh, absolutely agree with you there around the parallels between the profession of CX and the experience that the music industry has to deliver to create the fans. So these days, you're no longer a full time rock star, you're a CX evangelist with Pega Systems. What does a day look like for you i'm an evangelist that's a, a new title
1: yeah so it's eat customer experience sleep customer experience drink customer experience repeat that is it it's it for me it's the, the absolute best job in the world because I get to research customer experience i get to look at what companies are doing i get to look at thought leadership i get to look at new ideas old ideas applied in different ways and i get to try and explain that to people in new and fun and interesting and engaging ways and it's the whole job is about advancing customer experience it's helping people learn about customer experience think about customer experience differently and yeah it's literally if i had a magic wand to say James choose your perfect job well number one it would be actual rock star number two would be this
0: well you've done the rock star gig so now you're doing your second choice uh, and <laughs> yeah. I'd imagine in in the role you get to work with all different sorts of organizations and with people at all different levels within the organization right
1: yeah which it's and that's really cool as well because you get to work with the C-suite understanding the vision and strategy for the future you get to work with the people that are actually doing the work day in day out understanding their challenges and how to overcome those so it's such an interesting and eclectic role that it's just no no two days are ever the same the only golden thread that runs through everything is customer experience
0: mm. so as you know every year there's at least a half a dozen probably dozens of surveys and research reports released you you probably read a number of them contribute to a number of them and they say that CX matters more than ever and the C C suite executives know it but there seems to be a disconnect between knowing that they need to do something and actually doing it in your work why is there a disconnect
1: it's a bit of a loaded question and there's a million different ways to answer that and i think One of them is, as customer experience professionals, we've kind of got to blame ourselves a little bit. And this might be a little bit controversial, but we all get together as customer experience professionals and we go, hey, you know what, customer experience is good. And they go, oh, I also think customer experience is good. And then someone in the corner goes, wait, did you guys say customer experience is good? I also think that. And we all get together and we pat each other on the back and we go, customer experience is good. And Then we go and do our work. And then we get surprised when other people in the business go, I don't quite get it. And we're like, how can you not get it? It's customer experience. It's good. Did you not hear us just talking? And the reason for that is we're not very good at tying the work we do to the bottom line. We're not very good at showing the financial impact of doing customer experience. There's a lot of people at the C-level that go, yeah, I get it. Customer experience is great and good and everything, but I've got other priorities right now. I've got financial priorities. I need to lower costs. I need to um, improve my churn rate. I need to do this. I need to do that. I've got a million different priorities. Making customers smile 3% more isn't going to help me, and that's our fault. We haven't shown the hard facts that, customer experience is a financial imperative. And when I think about it, if there is anyone listening that's like, oh yeah, you're right, We I do need to do that more. There's four things that I try and tie it back to when it comes to uh, like looking at the bottom line and the ROI of customer experience. And it's acquisition. From doing this customer experience stuff, did we manage to get more customers? Number two, it is um, loyalty from doing this customer experience stuff, did the customers we already had stay with us for longer? Number three is wallet share. From doing this customer experience stuff, did they spend more of their money with us? And four, cost. From doing this customer experience stuff, has it lowered our operating costs? And I think if we can just take that extra little step and be our own cheerleaders with this, and really tie the work we're doing on a daily basis back to the bottom line it's going to get the attention of the c-suite a lot more because not only are they going to know that oh it's a nice thing to do but they're going to know it makes financial sense as well
0: mm. when i was part of the c-suite of of a major brand leading cx and and other functions i constantly m- reported to the cfo the financial impact of the cx work because for some people, that's the only way they understand the, re- the impact of the work. But more importantly, as C-suite exec- executives, we have an obligation to shareholders to have a return on all the work that we do. And we shouldn't be doing anything in our organisation, whether it be a new IT system, painting a new sign or CX work, unless there is a long-term benefit to the organisation. Uh, so I'm glad that we're completely aligned there. Now in your line of work with all the different organisations that you come across and the abilities and the freedom that you get in your role, I'd imagine that you're seeing quite a few trends uh, in the customer experience space at the moment. What are some of those trends that you're seeing? Right. Glad
1: you asked, because I'm excited about this. There's one that I have not spoken about on any other podcast yet, because it is literally brand new. Okay. And it's got me all excited. And I honestly think the thing i'm going to tell you about now is probably the first actually truly new thing to happen in customer experience and customer service in a very long time and i honestly believe it is going to fundamentally redefine every single standard we have of what good customer experience is okay have i set it up well enough
0: You have set it up very well and also giving me a lot of motivation to get this podcast out first before you talk on any other show.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, and this is machine customers. Now, are you familiar with the term machine customers?
0: I am not. Tell us
1: more. So, essentially, a machine customer is a machine that fills the space of a customer to do stuff so the customer doesn't have to, okay? I'll explain. So for example, when I ask Siri to set an alarm on my phone, okay, that's it's a digital assistant, okay? Mm-hmm. When I ask Alexa, I'll say quietly to, um, <laughs> to turn off the lights, it's doing a thing for me so I don't have to. But imagine that standing in place of you interacting with businesses. So like Google, for example, Google Assistant, you can ask it to um, wait on hold for you. Mm -hmm. So you can say, okay, Google, call my utilities company and wait on hold. So that digital assistant is acting on behalf of you. You can even do crazy things and you may have seen a video about this. Um, You can ask Google Assistant to um, book a hair appointment for you or to book a table at a restaurant and so, what that means is I say, "Okay, Google, book me an appointment at my hairdresser's on Friday between two and six p m right. and it will it will go away independent of me, and it will call up, and a bot will have a conversation, a very lifelike kind of creepy but very <laughs> lifelike bot will have a conversation with the the person there that makes the bookings to." make that booking for you. Then the next thing you know, it's in your diary. So where this has kind of come from is companies have spent years and years and years and years putting in place chatbots and IVRs and automation and self-service and other things like that, essentially because they don't really want to talk to us as customers. Well, you know what? We don't really like talking to you either. So two can play at that game. What makes you think we weren't going to start doing that at some point, getting our own digital assistants to do the stuff we don't want to do? But it's going to go further than this in the future. There's probably going to be four main interaction types that customers have with companies. So you're going to have the standard person to person. That's when I call up and I do a thing myself. Okay, you'll have person to machine. So that's where I interact with a chatbot, for example. Um, It's going to and these are the new ones now you're going to have machine to persons that's my machine to their person that's when I say okay Google change my payment date to the second of the month with Vodafone and then the bot person calls Vodafone navigates the IVR sits on hold and then has a conversation with Vodafone or whoever to change my date and then and this is the holy grail this is the one that's going to change everything machine to machine so that's my machine to their machines. And this is going to create a world where I can go, Alexa, change my address with every single company I've got an account with. And I tell it once, and in an instant, every single record I have with every single company I have an account with is going to be updated. And as companies, we're going to have to set up systems to deal with that we're either going to have to understand that we're going to get lots of bot calls coming in that are trying to do stuff and understand what they are and how to deal with them differently because you're going to have to deal with them differently. You can't deal with them the same as you deal with a person-to-person interaction. And and that's a big thing because we've spent so much time building, like, emotion and empathy into our person-to-person engagements. A machine customer is not gonna care how empathetic you are, It's, it's not gonna matter. And it's only gonna waste your time and your energy to be empathetic with a machine customer. But also we're gonna have to put in place systems that allow my machines to play nicely with your machines just so things can happen instantaneously. And the exciting thing is it's going to allow us to deliver much better, faster, more convenient experiences, but much lower costs in the long run. So I am super excited about that. Can you tell, considering I've just ab- spoken for about 20 minutes about it?
0: <laughs> I can absolutely tell. And I, my, my mind is buzzing with questions. So I think at the very beginning, the, you know, Google calling my hairdresser to book an appointment or calling my bank to do something. There's some obvious steps that occur today at the end of every call in most call centers. Stay on the line to rate my service. I would be interested to see how Google rates the service, right? And it's one of those areas that they'll have to adapt to, business will have to adapt to because the machine won't need to to do that. Um, But-
1: It's either that they will, but there'll be a different ranking system, for example and the the machine will rank it on speed, accessibility of data, API, openness. I don't know, but maybe there'll be a, a whole different way of ranking an experience that just doesn't exist yet.
0: And then the fourth one was machine to machine. And I love the idea of being able to say, hey, digital assistant, update my address with everybody. But I'm wondering whether that, further complicates the world of privacy. Now, we've seen some very topical uh, privacy concerns recently with banks and telecommunications companies being hacked and people's passports and credit card numbers being shared. Do you think people will trust the bots and and take the privacy risk, or will that become a new area of focus in organisations that perhaps has been underserved to date?
1: I think I think both of those things will happen. I think people will trust it. The convenience is going to outweigh it. At the moment, we we give away so much of our data right now for convenience. We we do it already. And we like to sit there and go, oh, we'd never give these people. Ad- or give it a rest. We do it already and we will continue to do it. But you are right. What's to say? I don't go to my friend's house and say, digital assistant, change my surname to idiot on every account. (laughs) There will have to be some checks and balances in place, um, whether it is voice authentication, whether it is a particular password you've got to put in, whether it is, I don't know, like they have to send a text to your phone or some other device. There will have to be some sort of, strong security to make sure that you are the one making the changes, but also stronger security in the back end. Because if you've got one digital assistant that is linked into every single account that you've got, and that one gets hacked, the answer to that is probably got something to do with the blockchain. I don't know enough about that to be able to talk on it any further, but I know that's probably going to be in the answer somewhere.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I believe you're right there. It's an interesting world, though. I think when the first smartphone came out and people could browse on the device they carried in their their pocket and then started to get apps and there was always this tension between organizations investing in the new technology and consumers demanding it. And Mm -hmm. I think we're seeing that with the various digital assistants, whether you're an Android user or an Apple user, the adoption rate that has come uh, over the years has certainly accelerated as they've improved, right? R- yeah. Originally you'd spend three days trying to explain what you were saying, and now <laughs> uh, now it suggests to you what you want to say before, before you say it. So. Yeah. D-
1: did you mean this? Okay, yes, I did, Google, thanks. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> but it's, um,
1: it's an interesting one because, of course, if I say, hey, digital assistant, update my credit card details with every company, and they go, okay, I've done it with 99 out of 100, but PhoneCo doesn't allow this. I'm going to be like, oh, goddammit, PhoneCo. What? That's not a real company, obviously. <laughs> but I'll be like, why can't we do it? And it'll make me, when when it time, the time comes to renew, I'm going to be looking which one plays nicely with my machine so it's just as convenient as possible. And it's going to be a whole new ecosystem, and it's going to be a whole new discipline. There's, we are probably going to see professions rising from this that's going to be custom machine management there might even be whole new departments and it's there are things we need to consider about this I mean one of the things is we need to prep for it because this is not some future thing this is happening right now I mean in Australia do you have the smart meters that um for your electricity uh most houses yes that's a machine to machine experience in the past we would have had to you know we would have got a phone from the utilities company hey we need your meter reading you go and check your meters you write the numbers down you phone them back you give them the numbers then they send you the bill and then you pay the bill that they've just condensed all of that into an essentially a nothing experience an experience that needs no interaction from me at all so the smart meters is a a very current very future example of that customer machine relationship that machine to machine uh, interaction happening and there's there's more machine, There's more units on earth right now capable of being machine customers than there are people. So this is going to happen. This isn't something that's like, oh, imagine if this crazy thing would happen in the future. It's happening right now and it's going to accelerate. So we need to prepare for it. We need to understand, okay, what are the things that are likely going to... Happen first, and which are the things that are further down the line. Which are the things that are going to have the biggest impact to service. Which are the things that are going to have the biggest impact to costs. And try and create this customer machine roadmap to understand where we're going to be going. Then you need to understand who's going to own it. The customer service own it because like the, the call center is going to be interacting with a lot of bots. The customer experience own it because they're going to be designing the experiences. Um, around the collection of data and the use of the data do IT own it because computers mm-hmm. um, or does it need its own department does it need its its own complete new division of people dedicated to this and then thirdly i think once this happens we really need to double down on those person to person interactions and when we actually do finally get to speak to a person and you know have deep and meaningful interactions with them we need to give them the care and the the attention that you just can't get from a machine yet so Mm. it's it's gonna happen it is happening right now and if you ignore this you are gonna get left behind
0: Mm. so i can see that we're heading in that direction i can I can see the convenience driving us down that direction. Now, uh, recently, you talked about power meters. Recently, I changed my energy provider and instantly regretted it because my previous provider gave me real-time usage data on power and my new provider doesn't have that facility. And I'm like, hang on, it's 2022. How, yes. how is this possible, right? Now, all across the world, energy markets are crazy, so changing is not always uh, a, a easy thing to do. But when I did change, I, I didn't expect to be going backwards from a convenience point of view. Uh, now, thinking about today, and, and you touched on it, even in the future as more and more businesses conducted on our behalf automatically bot to bot, we still need to create super fans. How do we go about creating a super fan today in our business?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's two ways really. If you imagine, right, like like a like a thermometer, but for fans, so a fanometer. Thank you. I'm here all day (laughs) with a fan all the way on the good side and a hater all the way on the other side. It all comes down to moments. And it's this understanding that customer experience isn't really about experience. It's about relationships and relationships. All relationships are, are just a collection of memories with another person and those memories are the way that we store emotions that we feel in real time and those emotions are created by experiences and all experiences are, are lots of little moments bundled together so if you really want to improve that ex the relationship you have with your customers you need to start improving those moments and realizing that every single moment that you have with a customer is either going to take them a little bit closer or a little bit further away from being a fan. So it's it's a concerted effort over a long period of time. Hundreds, maybe even thousands of positive moments over time is going to create a fan. Or, this other thing I'm about to say, not all moments are created equally. If you deliver a moment so powerful, so impactful, so moving, so memorable, that you can turn a customer from a customer into a fan in an instant and there's loads of stories from the music world and from the business world of people that have actually done this there's a great example I like to talk about that comes from the Foo Fighters and Foo Fighters have played many 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 gigs but one of them they played it was in Belfast in Northern Ireland and they were on stage and they saw a kid in the crowd and this kid was five years old and he was he was called Taylor Hooper he was actually named after Taylor Hawkins the the drummer which is a sad Thing, but there you go. Um, and he had a sign and it said, My name's Taylor, I'm five years old, and this is my first ever gig. Okay. So, what Dave Grohl did was he decided in the moment to create a moment that Taylor, his family, and the 45,000 people there would never forget. He invited Taylor up on stage to rock out in front of the whole crowd. So, there's cool videos you can go and see with this. But He delivered a moment so powerful, so moving, so memorable that even the people in the crowd who weren't involved, the people that were watching the story became part of the story. Every person that hears the story becomes part of the story and it takes them to be a super fan. There isn't anyone in the world who doesn't like Foo Fighters. I won't hear it. There's not not a single person and it's because of cool things like this. They do it all the time now. They get kids up on stage to play drums or to play guitar with them and it's realising that sometimes those big moments can really turn someone into a super fan in an instant. And that's the most exciting thing for me because we are all just one moment away from turning a customer into a fan. And it's that sort of empowerment that I just think there aren't very many disciplines or professions in the world that, that give you that much of a buzz.
0: Mm. Yeah. I, I think the power of the moment is such a truism, and organizations get so caught up, at least in my experience, about mapping out 3,000 steps and let's get the right customer journey and spend six months doing focus groups as opposed to just trying to improve the moments that matter and the ones that don't matter as much, making sure that they don't Suck. There's no other way. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Just make them not suck. And that's the thing. It it doesn't
1: always have to be this wow big thing. That's the 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 least common thing to happen. But just just being consistently okay is okay. Sometimes finding a company that just says what they're going to do and then does it is amazing. And I love boring companies. You heard it here first. I love boring companies. Companies that say, we're going to do this thing, and then they do it. And I'm like, wow, they actually did it. I love it. You don't always necessarily have to do that big wow thing. It is a a strategy you can use. It is a tactic you can use to turn people into fans in a very quick, you know, short period of time. But you're exactly right. It doesn't always have to be that. A lot of time, it is just making every other moment not suck.
0: Mm. Well, the thing about Amazon, Amazon, I would argue, doesn't do anything phenomenal. It doesn't do anything super fan-worthy in and of itself. They don't drag me up onto a stage. But what they do do is deliver consistently on their promise. If Amazon says it's going to be here tomorrow, I know it's going to be here tomorrow. Uh, there's, yeah. there's no doubt about it. Uh, James, now, we've touched on it a few times, you know, employees' impact on the people that they serve, employees' serving bots or you know the changes that will happen in that landscape and you wrote a book 100 well you've written a few books i should say but one of one of your books 136 ideas for rockstar employee engagement how does the employee impact the customer experience
1: good question first of all a bit of trivia for you do you know why it's 136 i have no idea because that's when i got bored <laughs> <laughs> basically, I was like, first of all, I was like, I'll do 99. That's a good number. Then when I got to 99, I was like, oh, I've got a bit more than that. Maybe I'll do 199. And then when I got to 136, I was like, no, that's I'm bored. <laughs> that's, it. that's enough. There's no more. So, there you go, 136. That's the reason. Um, look, it's. I don't think this is going to be new to anybody listening, but it's very hard to make happy customers with unhappy employees. It's just, it's a difficult thing to do. And you you tend to find that some of the best companies in the world that get lauded for their customer experience are actually people that don't put their customers first. And you're like, what, how is that? That's crazy. But I really believe that if you want to put your customers first, you need to put your employees first, first. And there's like a hierarchy of agreement within a company, it's like the leadership agree to put the employees first and then in return, the employees agree to put the customers first. And it's like a cascading thing. If if we look after the employees, the employees will look after the customers and then the customers will look after the revenue, fingers crossed, hopefully. Um, and there's loads of tricks and strategies to do this. There's no one answer for any one particular company for this. But it's just understanding that, especially right now, Finding talent is difficult. Retaining talent is difficult. If you don't care about them and don't try and make their lives as fulfilled as possible at work, A, they're not going to do a particularly good job, and B, they're going to leave and go somewhere else, and it's just going to be a headache for you. So it's it's one of those things where I think it's a truism. There are some arguments to say that you can still make happy customers with unhappy employees. It is just a lot harder. I mean, Amazon is an example. Amazon made lots and lots of happy customers, but reportedly had quite unhappy employees for a while. But even they now are coming around to this idea. Like they used to want to be the world's most customer-centric company. I think they're saying now that they want to be the world's best employer. They're starting to realize that that model can't get you by forever. So if basically, if Amazon are doing it now, we should probably all do it too. Uh, Yeah.
0: And I was speaking with uh, Michelle Falcon recently, and he was sharing that for every job he advertises, he gets 150 applicants. And at a time when apparently no one wants to work, there's this great resignation, right? And he said, the difference between me and my competitors is that I don't hide the fact that I pay well, that I provide opportunities for my team members and that they come first in our organisation. And as a result, everything else works. So uh, I think that... uh, that layer of hierarchy that you talked about the employee we look after our employees and in return they look after our customers and then our customers look after our revenue is a great way of looking at it i think the employee experience is what delivers the sustainable or otherwise result right you know, i i can be unhappy and deliver a great customer experience but i can't be unhappy forever. And deliver a great customer experience forever. And, and Amazon's a a great example of how they've had to uh, take, take a turn there and uh, great, great for all of us to learn from, from them, as you said. Now, I know that uh, your work at uh, Pega Systems has a report, a free report that our listeners can download. We'll put a link in the show notes to that, but what's in the report, the future of customer service?
1: Yeah, so it's um, a study that was done with 750, I think, uh, customer service leaders from around the world, different industries, um, to say, well, what are you seeing as the future of customer service? And it's talking about the trends that they see happening, the things that they think are going to be really affecting the way that they do work, looking at things like the customer service, um, like contact center's being a revenue generating part of the business looking at how to deliver preemptive and proactive experiences they it's um it, there's it's a very rich piece of work that just gives a, a very broad view of where the future is heading in customer service
0: well like i said we'll have the link to that in the show notes uh it's a interesting read and i'd encourage people to have a look at it now james You've been doing great work for a very long time. You've been entertaining fans on stages. You've been inspiring action with CX and EX professionals, ages as well. How can people connect with you and follow your work?
1: LinkedIn is probably the best one. Search for James Dudkins. There's not too many of us. You'll know the one I am. It's fairly obvious. (laughs) Yeah, just get to me on LinkedIn. Drop me a message. Drop me an email anytime, jd.pega.com. I love talking about this stuff in case you couldn't tell and I'll talk about it to anyone at any time.
0: Fantastic. We'll also include a link to your LinkedIn account in the show, show notes. Now, James, before I let you go today and our listeners finish listening to this episode, what's one thing that they should do as soon as they finish listening to start improving the experience they deliver? I'm
1: going to give you a boring one. Just go and talk to your customers. Just talk to them more. That's and I'm not talking about doing surveys or the I'm just, actually just have a conversation with them sit down chat have a coffee with them why not and just yeah. understand them who they are as real people understand their lifestyles their beliefs their values their influences just just get to know them properly as a person instead of a number
0: uh, that conversation could definitely spark considerable improvements to the experience that you deliver, not only to that individual, but of course, to other individuals that your organization serves. What a great way to end the show. James, thanks for being a guest on today's episode. Thanks for listening.
1: If you liked this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. And don't forget to check out any bonus content mentioned in today's episode at allaboutxm.com. You can find more information about Jason at jasonsbradshaw.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.